Eleanor, I want to do something fun for Christmas with you, but I just don't know what we should do yet. I don't know about you, but actually bar hopping might kind of be out of the question here in LA this year. So sad because I, you know, I'm a Christmas bar Ugh. hopper, Christmas tradition. Can I ask, could it be because of the famous or infamous SantaCon? Oh my God. Yes, SantaCon. So annoying. For those of you listening who don't know, SantaCon is a loosely organized event that happens in numerous cities across the world, where thousands of people dress up as Santa and his elves and go on a long bar crawl. It involves a whole lot of people getting very drunk and often starting huge fights. It's a mess. But that's just the version you see in bars or hear about online. The craziest part about SantaCon is that it wasn't just some dumb frat bro drinkathon before today. If you dig a little deeper online, you'll find that it actually began as a protest event against greed, capitalism, and huge corporations in Denmark. I've heard about SantaCon's origins. And it involved destroying businesses, stealing from the rich to give to the poor, and even riots that ended in hordes of Santas being beaten by police. Loey, Santa is my second favorite Christmas icon after Krampus, but I do think it's time we give him his flowers. Should we tell the story of SantaCon in the name of Christmas? Of course, tis the season, Ellie. Let's do this. Welcome to Internet Urban Legends, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Loie, your friendly neighborhood true believer, perhaps a little elf in the cog of the Christmas machine today. Wow, that's a really nice way to put working under capitalism. <laughs> that's what I'm going to call myself. I'm not going to say I have a job anymore. I'm going to say I'm a cog in the Christmas I'm machine of capitalism. Hi, I'm Eleanor, cog number two, mm-hmm. uh, trueborn Krampus. I actually love Christmas, so I'm very excited to talk about today's topic. Together, we are the Gruesome Twosome, and this is Internet Urban Legends, where we dive deep into the darkest corners of the internet, and sometimes the jolliest. We might find the answers we're looking for, we might scare ourselves into staying up all night, but one thing is for sure, we are glad to have you guys in our, what, choir circle? I'm pretty (laughs) off-key, so you guys will probably have to tune in and harmonize with me. This episode's gonna be fun. I, again... I will say it probably 10,000 times on this podcast. I freaking love Christmas. And much like our Disney episodes, I love when we talk about the creepy implications of like super pure, happy things. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it just like a great time to quietly ruin our favorite things for ourselves and also our loyal listeners of this podcast? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. 
Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone settle in around the fire because it's time for a Christmas story. Once upon a time, there was a Danish art collective named the Solvang. Most of the members of this art collective lived in a place called Christiania, which was a sort of autonomous state in the city of Copenhagen. Everybody that lived there was an anarchist, but they firmly believed in nonviolence. Think less punk, more hippie. They believed that there was a massive inequality brewing in Danish society, and those conditions had become so much worse because of the ongoing oil crisis. They believed that the world needed to know the true meaning of Christmas, at least the way they believed in Christmas, that it was a monument to greed and capitalism. So in 1974, about 75 men and women dressed up as Santas to stage an event in Copenhagen that would last multiple days leading up to Christmas. The premise? Every day, the troop of Santas would hold demonstrations raging in intensity that were meant to be a statement about something related to capitalism. Some of these acts were funny, some even subtle. They caroled with somebody dressed as an angel, but the day after, they sang carols at the police station and wouldn't stop because they hoped to annoy the police, so they're really upping the ante here. And then they started caroling inside of a General Motors plant, and later they showed up to labor meetings to give speeches about income inequality. Still, it should be noted, dressed as <laughs> Santa and to talk about the evils of capitalism. So they've got a purpose here, all right? And like you mentioned, um, up until this point, everything was very nonviolent. Right. Okay. Everything was very calm, cool, and collected. But towards the end of this event, the Santas get a little crazy. They apparently started attacking buildings with pickaxes. Some of them went into bookstores. They were grabbing books off the shelves and handing them to customers, telling them that it was a gift from Santa. Managers of these shops are reported to have screamed at the Santas and called the police. And when the police arrived, the Santas were beaten and many were arrested. Footage even exists of this crazy night, which made the event instantly iconic. I don't know if you've seen the videos, but it's crazy to see police beating up a bunch of Santas. There weren't too many arrests, but the Santa Claus army, as they were known, was later added to Denmark's culture canon, which commemorates key works of art in the country's history. If this isn't art, I don't know what is. This story is crazy. If I had it our way, well, my way to start, let's see if you're on board. Our SantaCon could be basically like adult trick-or-treating, except we go door-to-door to businesses and they give us hot chocolate and soup. And um, we get to dress as like cute little thoughty Santas. I mean, I'm on board. I yeah. Everything but the pickaxe, which I think would be dangerous to my own safety, I'm kind yes. of on board with. If we can, like, be super anti-capitalism while also just happily accepting gifts, yeah, for sure. I don't know. The SantaCon we've discussed up until this point is, like, hyper-political, right? Yeah. Not much, not much fun involved. So maybe our SantaCon, sadly, would look a little bit more like today's modern iteration. You know... Uh, yes, SantaCon is a very political thing. It was crazy because when I just read the word SantaCon at first, I was like, a convention for Santa? Like, <laughs> I want to go there. I used to be obsessed with Santa Claus. Fun fact, I had a stuffed animal of Santa Claus that I, a stuffed animal, like I had a stuffed Santa Claus. You know what I mean? 
I slept with it my entire childhood. He was hand quilted uh, by one of my grandmothers. I don't remember which one, but he's also just a lovely little lad. And I would sleep with him year round because he's just so cute. Going back to that crazy scene in Denmark that we were talking about before, the absolute madness that it turned into with Santa's being beaten and arrested, how did something like that turn into the SantaCon of today? Well, my friends, the answer is something called the Cacophony Society. Up next, we'll be talking about the Cacophony Society and how it led to the end of Santa as an icon of protest. Every unsolved crime leaves us with a nagging sense that just one witness, one piece of evidence, one additional lead could change everything. Hi, I'm Carter Roy, host of the Spotify original from Parcast, Cold Cases. Every Monday, revisit some of the most puzzling crimes in history, a vast array of offenses that ran cold for decades. From burglary and arson to kidnappings and murder, Each episode of Cold Cases pieces together the details of an elusive case. Some eventually had breakthroughs that closed the file, others remain open to this day. Solved or unsolved, you won't know which until the very end. Follow Cold Cases free and only on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The first SantaCon was organized in 1994 by Rob Schmidt, a member of a prank club called the Cacophony Society. The Cacophony Society is famous for politically-minded pranks and bizarre events, like throwing a party in the laundromat, for example. If this idea and what you're about to hear sounds familiar, that's because none other than author Chuck Palahniuk, the creator of Fight Club, yes, that Fight Club, was a member of the Cacophony Society. He even based Project Mayhem from Fight Club on them, on the Cacophony Society. It's a cool little, I guess, like look into Fight Club if you're a fan of that film, which I've seen exactly one time. Oops. (laughs) Anyway, while making costumes for a cacophony event at his friend's house in fall of 1994, Rob Schmidt sees a postcard of people dressed as Santa playing pool in a gay bar. These were made by a man named Gary Warren, who was hoping to make his own version of SantaCon after reading about it in a Mother Jones article. Tragically, Gary died before his idea could come to fruition. But when Rob saw the postcard, he got an idea. What if the Cacophony Society threw an event where people could dress up as Santa and go around the streets of San Francisco? Honestly, seems like very much up their alley, and the Cacophony Society loved it. They initially called the event Cheap Suit Santas because the group ordered, and I quote, cheap knockoff Santa suits from China. 
Rob gathered some friends, including a guy named John Law, who is often considered the true mastermind behind SantaCon for very personal reasons. <laughs> when he was nine, which is kind of old, not gonna lie, he realized Santa wasn't real, and he said he was exceptionally hurt by this. He said, quote, this is very dramatic, when you're a kid and you realize that Santa Claus doesn't exist, nobody talks about it. It's the beginning of your indoctrination into middle-class hypocrisy. I didn't like Christmas after that. <laughs> so this man is a Santa hater, but also, like many haters of many things, hate is so close to love. So yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. like, intimately involved in SantaCon. He claims that with SantaCon, he had a new reason to celebrate because he saw it as a fun way to, like, make an event for his friends rather than giving in to big businesses and passing their money off to them. I will say, um, buying Santa suits... And walking around the streets of high-rent San Francisco. Sure. I guess it's fun personally. Not really sure how it's not factoring into capitalism. Yeah. But for sure, for sure. So essentially, SantaCon for Jude and Rob was just a way to, like, hang out with their friends, party on Christmas, do Christmas their own way. There were 38 Santas in total who all rented a bus to go from place to place. It's like a giant party bus, man. They're hanging out. That night, they participated in a huge snowball fight outside of a luxurious hotel, crashed corporate holiday parties, and stopped by the Lusty Lady, which back then was the nation's only unionized strip club. They claimed to be looking for ways to shock people and put them into a different reality, a reality where Santas are aplenty and they're all a little weird. John Law remembers this funny story where all the drunk Santas danced with elderly women at a bar, singing Christmas carols, but changing the lyrics, like silver bells, shotgun shells, it's Christmas time in the city. Ring-a-ching, hear them scream, soon it will be Christmas day. Uh, not exactly the most lighthearted version of that one. And then later, they came across this crusty teenage punk rock kid leaning up against a wall. He looked at John's girlfriend, who was also dressed as a Santa, and he flipped her off and said, fuck you, Santa. Without batting an eyelash, she flipped him off, but double flipped him off, you know, two-handed, and she said, fuck you, kid. This kid could not stop laughing. He had just gotten flipped off by Santa Claus. He thought this was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. Though this group thought it would be a one-time performance, they got addicted and they could not resist the temptation to do it again. So do it another year, they did. But this time, the Santa Claus army had grown. They had over 100 Santas who wanted to participate and with it came a new name, Santarchy. Like anarchy, but with Santa, honestly, it doesn't really flow off the tongue, but I understand the idea behind it. Right. Their reasoning was that they now thought of Santa as a, quote, jolly agent of chaos, frequently found in mobs wreaking havoc wherever he went. And what was Santarchy like? Well, it was described by the press like this, quote, I remember tits being flashed and bare butts, but I can't say where or when. <laughs> Somewhere in the course of events, the Santa skipped the line at the newly opened Planet Hollywood and roamed the restaurant, swiping food off people's plates. For the most part, these customers seemed to find it hilarious. I don't even know what I would do. I mean, I guess Same. just giggle. <laughs> I yeah. guess just giggle. Planet Hollywood isn't cheap, though, so <laughs> I might be a little sad. One of the ways they ramped this up from the last year was by hanging one of these Santas in a staged lynching. Now, this is a lot. A Maybe lot. not fun and fresh, okay? No. Um, this Santa was John Law. Remember John, the Santa lover hater? And they used a fake noose. This is like so 
beyond, but clearly at this point, they're just trying to, I guess, like enact shock value for their cause. And John did later explain what that cause was. He said it was all a joke, so it's not too serious, about how Santa was pro-union for his elves, and therefore capitalism as a concept wanted to kill him. So loose symbolism there, a bit of a reach, but I do think it's interesting that even though SantaCon has sort of become more of a fun thing, more of a party, they are still adhering in theme to the roots of like anti-capitalism, Christmas for the people, things like that. Yeah, man, the Santarchy era was freaking intense. Some Santas were arrested for indecent exposure for public urination. And in another crazy arrest, one Santa was charged with strong arm robbery of a Christmas wreath. The man accused of stealing the wreath said, I put it back, but somehow he was still arrested. There's no word on if those charges were ever dropped. All of the Santas ran through a local Macy's, singing Christmas carols and knocking things over. The next day, word spread quickly over the news, inspiring a slew of imitators across the country in the following years. In 1996, Portland's Cacophony Society chapter hosted their own SantaCon with the help of the San Francisco crew. Fun fact, Chuck Polinick, the creator of Fight Club, if you don't remember, was one of the Santas at this very event. Some of the Santas helped train Santas around the country in the art of producing their own SantaCon events. It's starting. It's starting. It's infecting the nation. Santas <laughs> far and wide, as far as the eye can see. And uh, understandably, the event completely spiraled out of control, with each new event being thrown. As it grew bigger, it became less of a protest of expression and more of an excuse for people from the suburbs to get drunk as hell while also dressed like Santa. Basically, just like everything else in life, once something is found by the normies, it's not cool anymore. It's immediately ruined. And this is what happened to SantaCon. Yeah, essentially by the year 2000, like SantaCon was huge. It had not only taken over the country, but the world. SantaCon had gone international, and not only that, but it had gone commercial. So these SantaCon events were explicitly referred to as pub crawls. There's no more protesting. Mm -hmm. There's no more pickaxes. This is literally just an excuse to drink. It's essentially the St. Patrick's Day for Santas. So yeah. if you want to have the same vibe around Christmas, this is what you do. And as SantaCon grew in size and influence, so did its notoriety. What had started off as a seemingly earnest, anti-capitalist, almost performance art, mm -hmm. <laughs> has now turned into essentially local businesses like upcharging on around Christmas time and a bunch of companies and organizations just organizing these pub crawls for tourists and people who want to party around the holidays. I will say though, as fun as this might sound to you at home or absolutely nightmarish, if you're like me and a geriatric grandma, local businesses claim that SantaCon is not all fun and games. They have to deal with the absolutely reckless Santas who are drinking and not only drinking, but like vomiting mm -hmm. and urinating in public and like stealing food and drinks from people and just overall being a nuisance. By 2013, SantaCon had gotten so out of hand that almost every time it was covered in the press, it was, unfortunately, to mention the event's rampant sexism, racism, homophobia, and violence. The New York Times published an article calling for the city to completely ban SantaCon, citing an incident in 2011 when a photographer was assaulted by a man dressed as Santa and a disabled man was knocked over by a group of Santas. 
In 2014, a bank at Union Square was robbed by a man in a Santa suit who used SantaCon as a cover. In 2018, the festivities ended with seven Santas cited for public drunkenness and 15 others in need of medical attention. And for what it's worth, many of the founders of the original American SantaCon literally hate what it's become. John Law says that SantaCon was now in a bunch of major cities, and just like any bad idea, people began to emulate it, bastardize it. He honestly notes that it's like super ironic that SantaCon is a frat boy thing because it's literally in its inception the opposite. He claims that it's the least frat boy people you'll ever meet that organized this event in the first place. So definitely a different demographic enjoying it now than it was originally intended for. I think this story is interesting because, I mean, for a couple reasons, but primarily I think this is truly what happens to everything in our society. Like everything that, I mean, if you look at like even like gay pride in corporate America, every single thing that touches a I guess a corporation's hand or touches the masses is going to unravel into something different than what it was intended for. Mm -hmm. So do we think that SantaCon should go back to its protest roots or just disappear altogether? I mean, I think that anything where people are causing havoc in the name of simply getting selfishly drunk and having fun, listen, party rock. Party rock on, man. I will be doing it just as Santa this year in your honor. However, you know, when, when we're disturbing the peace and potentially causing harm to other people, that's not cool. But I do think that, like, it as a performance art piece was really interesting. Yeah, I think nowadays it's become like a bunch of drunk white dudes just like harassing women and minorities, seemingly. Right. I don't know if it has any hope of reverting back to its pure pickaxed intentions at this point, sadly. That being said, if y'all want to come to our SantaCon, we're going to dress up as Thoughty Santas. Please join us, beards and all. And I don't know what we'll do yet. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to be really honest. I don't know. But it will not be any of the things that the current SantaCon does. It will likely be in our own house because yeah, yeah, yeah. we simply never leave. Milk and cookies, pillow fights. It's going to be great. So maybe actually just join us virtually so none of us have to leave our own beds. We want to know what you guys think about today's episode. Is Christmas a favorite holiday of yours? Do you love Santa Claus? How do you feel about SantaCon as a whole? Let us know all over social media by using hashtag gruesome twosome. We would love to hear from you. Thank you all so much for listening. We are once again your hosts, Loie and Eleanor, also known as the Gruesome Twosome, and we have loved this deep dive into the world of internet urban legends with all of you. You can find all episodes of the podcast, Internet Urban Legends, for free exclusively on Spotify. Don't forget to follow the podcast so we can continue bringing you a new disturbing mystery each and every week. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lowybug and at Snitchery and support our show by following at Parcast on Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. Stay gruesome, friends. Internet Urban Legends is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler from Parcast slash management and Ed Simpson, Fanny Baudry and Leah Sutherland from Wheelhouse DNA. Sound design by Ron Shapiro, with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. It is produced by Jonathan Ratliff, Gemma Waters, John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Chelsea Parker, and is associate produced by Gitu Meira and Tracy Levy. 
Research and script writing provided by Judd Bookout. And we're your hosts, Loie Lane and Eleanor Barnes, a.k.a. The Gruesome Twosome. Hi, I'm Carter Roy, host of the Spotify original from ParCast, Cold Cases. Every Monday, explore the many types of crime, the many ways they remain unsolved, and how long it takes to find the answers, if ever. Solved or unsolved, you won't know which until the very end. Follow Cold Cases free and only on Spotify.